Now more than ever, it's critical that customers find accurate information about your business. Local Works by Yahoo Small Business makes it easy to add, edit, and publish business information across 70-plus local directories from a single dashboard. Ensure your business is found with Local Works and save 10% today by using code LWPODCAST. Visit yahoosmallbusiness.com slash local to find out more. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. Two six seven twenty two Jiggy. Hey Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar, Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thanks very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to the next edition of Build, Grow, and Enjoy on the BGE Radio Network. We have got a tremendous guest we're going to talk to today. Nick Lyons is going to join us here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. He is tremendous, and I am glad we're going to be having him on with us today. Get more information at buildgrowandenjoy.com. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio each and every week, and also Build, Grow, and Enjoy is available on the web. As I mentioned, buildgrowandenjoy.com. Well, let's get to it. Nick Lyons is our first guest, and we are going to go to the old telephone. Actually, we're going to go to the old Skipscape. We're going to call him on the phone, but... uh, We'll get Nick Lyons in here and uh, do some building, do some growing, and do some enjoying, as they say. Build, grow, and enjoy each and every week. And let's go to Nick Lyons, who is going to join us. Mr. Nick Lyons. That Nick Lyons. Hello, Nick. How are you? It's James calling you for your radio interview. How are you, sir? I'm I'm well, and I'm delighted to hear from you, James. Glad to be on your program. Well, thanks uh, so much for having me. I'll tell you, you have uh, just an incredible book here, and uh, Fire in the Straw is the latest. From our guest today, Nick Lyons, uh, it, it is Fire in the Straw Notes on Inventing a Life, and it is getting rave reviews from the Wall Street Journal, New York Post, and I just had to get you on here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. You can buy this book on Amazon as well, and we have the award-winning writer, Nick Lyons. He's joining us today here on the telephone. So, Nick, yeah. s- let's start out here. Tell me a little bit about this book. Well, it starts with the title. Um, there was a, I found an old quote from the 16th century that goes something like, the, the tiger cannot hide its claws, fire cannot be hide, hid in the straw, cannot be hid in the straw, um, but at last it will take its course. And I think the sense that each of us 
has inside of us a certain passion or fire that uh, a thing we love we're not sure we're doing it for a living we're not sure what factor it has in our life but yes. it can it, it shouldn't stay in the storage it flame out and become the part of our life that we we like i had a very very bad childhood with a boarding school and a bad stepfather dozens of people have had the same thing yes but i woke up when i was in the army when i was 24 years old and i said it's not good enough i've i've gone to college and i've studied insurance which i didn't like um i had a degree but uh I, I want to start my life over. So I wanted to invent, in a sense, a life. And that's really what the book is about. The life I invented, the struggles, the changing inventions. I went through two or three of these changes. And um, here I am. I'm talking to you. I'm <laughs> 88. I wrote the book. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to tell anybody about it. Awesome. Awesome. It is Nick Lyons. He joins us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, the BGE Radio Network out of Atlanta, GA. And this is this book was named one of the New York Post's best new books to read. And uh, Nick is amazing. And I'm glad that we've got him with us today here on our big program to talk a little bit about this book. So take me through the writing process for this book because uh, I, I, I'm always intrigued uh, by writers and, and, and what they do when they bring some of these extraordinary books, and in, and in your case, award-winning books, to life? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's an odd story. It's not the same as most writing. I've, I've written about 20 books, most of them on fly fishing, something I loved very much and, and uh, wrote about, not technically, but more or less the, the things that go on in it. So I, I have written a lot, and I've written for National Geographic and other magazines of national importance. But sometime in my early years, when I just got out of the Army, I thought I would write something about the year I, years I spent in a boarding school, how difficult they were. I was there from five to eight years old. And uh, even though it wasn't a rotten place, it was a lonely place. And it separated me from my whole family. So I wrote that chapter about 60 years ago. Uh, I didn't know what to do with it. It wasn't very well written because I was just learning how to write. But I kept it. And I think that sometimes people write something that is not good enough. They hold on to it. And it's like, it's like the, uh, the, the uh, sand in an oyster that suddenly grows into a pearl. Um, by hanging around long enough, I guess. And then about uh, three years ago, I picked it up again. I was 85 at the time, and um, very slowly began to look at all some journals of mine and notes, sections that I had started or done, uh, cobbled it together, and each of these is a separate piece. It can be read separately, I think. Um, but it is the the pattern, the arc of my life from those gloomy days in the boarding school to now being uh, reasonably happy with who I am, though the book is filled with some tragedies, some triumphs. Um, it is, like most lives, filled with, it's like a good stew. Uh, I had a wonderful marriage for 58 years, 
My wife died. That was one of the tragedies. My oldest son died of melanoma, one of the skin cancers. And that was one of the low moments as well. But it's the fire that has interested me. What keeps someone going? What keeps you awake and alive? And what energizes you to really want life? To say, I want to live. I want to do something with this life that I've been granted, that I have a certain number of years for. And and in my case, it meant switching from the insurance that I had no interest in, going back to school as a freshman when I was 24, 25 years old, and uh, getting a Ph.D. in literature, which I found that I loved very much. The difference between loving something that you do and doing it because you're required to do it or think you ought to do it is immense. When I began to do something I loved, uh, I became, I think, uh, a very, very good teacher. And then in time, with the four children, I had to take a second job. So I got permission to teach in the night session and became a book editor during the day. And finally, that changed once again to my having a business of my own, the publishing, book publishing business, and having that do very well. So I've done a whole batch of things, and usually it's because I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about them, um, and uh, uh, it has been a very, very interesting life for that reason. I've skipped over a lot of details. <laughs> <laughs> we will we we will get to them. We have got a tremendous guest with us today. The award-winning writer Nick Lyons joins us here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. And you can buy his book, Fire in the Straw, on Amazon. It is a love story, a confessional, a beautiful, big-hearted memoir. And uh, so, so Nick, t- t- I you hit on something there that I. It was very interested in, in, in hearing the full story on is this you went back to to school and got a degree. Uh, tell us a little bit about this process and, and why that uh, why you decided to, to do book literature and everything. It's interesting. It's very scary. <laughs> but uh, I had uh, studied uh, insurance at the Wharton School and had uh, played basketball for them for the University of Pennsylvania. I was quite good, and that was my my childhood. Um, was very much interested in sports, and I still am to a degree. When I went into the Army, I looked at myself very hard. I realized I had no interest in, sur- in insurance, that it was a mistake, and I thought, what do I do next? Um, I took a course, an odd, uh, just a random course, when I got out of the Army, I was living in a tiny little room, maybe 12 by by 4 feet, something almost like a bathroom, I think it had been once. Um, living in that and taking some night courses, I took a course in what's called English prose style. There was something about it, something about the possibilities of the English language that just said, you know, you're... You, you really have a have a world out there that that you want to get into and you don't know anything about it. I remember telling the teacher at the end of the class, "Well, can I can I make the team? Do you think I have the sufficient 
intelligence to go into this field, which I, I think I love. I had begun to find the stories, the plays of Shakespeare, the great novels, just irresistible. They were telling me everything I wanted to learn. He said to me, looked at me, and he said, Nick, he said, you're not dumb. You're just illiterate. <laughs> and it made a big impression at me at the time, uh, telling me that uh, I really did not uh, have a problem with having a native intelligence. It was just that I hadn't, hadn't done anything. And he suggested that I go back as a freshman to Bard College. Uh, I went back, scary as can be, all the students were younger. Um, I worked very, very hard. And I had still not gotten an A in any course that I took. Uh, I followed. I met a woman in, at, at Bard College that I married and was married to for 58 years. And we went to uh, Michigan. I trailed her. She was a painter, uh, younger than I am, but graduating with honors in art to uh, Cranbrook Art Academy in, in Bloomfield, Michigan. And I went down to the University of Michigan and said, no, here's what I have. I have an, an undergraduate degree in the wrong subject. I have a year of studying odds and ends and then six months or so, or a year studying at Bard College. And he said, well, it doesn't look like much to me. I don't think we can let you into uh, the master's program. Why don't you do this? Get four A's in our special program, and if you get those, I really will have to let you in. <laughs> and that was, uh, That's it awesome. It was really quite a scary prospect. I really had not gotten A's. I was not using my mind. And I think that a lot of people don't. They get caught up in something, and they go in one direction, and yep. um, they say, why am I here? But... Uh, I thought that then was the way out, and I uh, worked very, very hard. I got the four A's, and I went on for a doctorate in just a few years after that. And they gave me the chance to teach out in Michigan um, for the first time. And the classroom, which I'd always hated, when I got to the other side of the classroom, I just loved it. I loved talking, and I loved uh, finding some way to share the enthusiasm I had for literature with young folks, with uh, the undergraduate students. So at that time, uh, it was an immensely difficult change of life. Um, we came to New York. By then, I had three children and another one on the way. And New York is just too expensive a place to work for, uh, uh, to be a teacher in a college. Um, my army money lasted for about three years, I think. And then I had to take a second job. I taught full-time, worked as an editor at a book publishing company full-time for about 17 or 18 years, and um, became executive editor of the publishing house. And then I was given an opportunity, a chance to be funded by a British book company, and I started a little subsidiary for them. Um, eventually, I bought the business from them. I raised some money, and I went into business uh, and became, I think, a very successful book publisher. So I've really had three or four lives along the way, and all the while 
writing something about fishing or uh, some other part of my life, basketball. I wrote several pieces about that. Um, it was a busy life. <laughs> but uh, it was that initial switch from being a rather sad, uh, disgruntled, uninspired insurance uh, student uh, to coming into something that I just was crazy about. I still read immensely. I have a huge library, and um, uh, I think it was the writing about fishing that finally broke me out of uh, the difficulty of writing. And then once I did that, I began to switch to a whole bunch of other subjects as well. Busy life. Yes, yes, it is. Off the streets. (laughs) <laughs> it is a, a tremendous guest with us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy, the BGE Radio Network out of Atlanta, GA. And you can get more information on the award-winning writer Nick Lyons on Amazon. Uh, Fire in the Straw is the latest from him. It is a tremendous, tremendous book. And um, so you've got a Ph.D. in your hand. You have four children. You embark now on complex and thrilling ride uh, juggling yep. family, fishing, teaching, writing, publishing. Explain all this to our great audience here, my friend. Well, I think it all comes, James, from uh, from loving what you do. I worked very hard, but I didn't ever think that I was sacrificing or something for my family. I was doing something that I loved, and I think we had had a good family because of it. Um think a lot of us build entertainment into our lives a little too much. We need to be entertained by the television set or by some other activity. And I don't think that enough people understand how much pleasure there is in working hard and getting to do something well. Uh, Even something I had to do for a few years, on top of the other two jobs, I did something called ghostwriting. I wrote three books, um, all of them from scratch, in other people's names. It was someone else's book, and I took their notes or taped them and wrote a book. One was on Rose Kennedy, another was on a, a uh, an adopted woman who looked for her natural parents. And uh, the fact that I could do those well, I think, helped me, even though I had to do them, I realized I was learning something. I was learning what a book was. And after that, I've I've written 24 books of my own. This is the last. And uh, I'm 88. It's uh, time to slow down a little bit. But I still have another one or two that I want to (laughs) write. Now... Something you brought up earlier that uh, that that I want to touch on, and I don't think enough people, you know, when 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 you're on radio programs and and various things, I don't think enough people touch on this. But um, your love for fly fishing, um, yep. I have always thought fly fishing looked really cool, but <laughs> I was always terribly afraid to do this. Um, explain to us the concept and love of fly fishing and uh, writing books on fly fishing and all these things. Of course. Um, one of the nicest parts of the, or the only thing that saved me at the little boarding school was that there was a pond nearby and I started to fish. 
I was about six when I started, and just with a, a stick and a, and a cord and a hook on the end of it and some kind of bait, usually bread or worms. Um, uh, it, it seemed lovely, the mysterious world of, the, of fishing. And uh, I fished all through my, whenever I got a chance, in my childhood, in my teens, I would make long trips to the ocean uh, by bicycle, and, or I'd go upstate, up country, uh, by train, and fish in the local streams there. And I think all, always with a spinning rod or some other type of, of uh, equipment. And I was 22 or 23 in the Army when a friend of mine uh, was a fly fisherman. And I said, boy, I'd love to do this. It just looks so difficult, which is the same thing you you said. Uh, it's not. It takes specific skills, like mostly anything we have. But the difference is that you're essentially working with the weight of the fly line. The fly doesn't weigh anything. So that fly line has to go back, and then the force of it, the pull of it, you thrust it forward and... Uh, you can cast, some people can cast 70 or 80 feet comfortably. I could probably cast about 60, which I was comfortable at. And uh, I put this very light, little weightless fly down on the water. It imitates the insects the fish are feeding, feeding on when you go for trout. It also can imitate uh, the fish that they eat, crayfish, worms, all sorts of things, egg sacs. Um, and uh, I find it enormously interesting, endlessly interesting, from the tying of one's own flies to the uh, learning of casting. I think I think two hours of of uh, someone showing you the basic instincts, basic processes of it, or even looking at a good book that has some good illustrations, you can see that your wrist has to be reasonably locked, not completely, but reasonably so, that you can't bring your rod, your hand back and the rod back more than a certain distance. Most people bring it all the way back and the line just flops in back of them. But if you bring it only a little back and then forward with some uh, power thrust, which someone has, uh, Jane, Joan Wolfe has called, called it a power thrust, uh, you can throw that line comfortably um, 40 or 50 feet, which is enough to catch most fish, and uh, a little further otherwise. You've got to learn the knots, which you would learn from any fisherman would know six or seven of them, and probably one or two more for uh, for the fly fisherman. But you get a balanced equipment, balanced set of equipment, a rod and reel. Um, it's the line and the rod that should be coordinated so that you have the same line, a line that fits a number five reel, a number five rod, and then the line can comfortably be cast. It's so much more fun than all kinds of fishing. It's active, which most kinds aren't. Most kinds uh, are either bait fishing or the simple thrust of a, uh, of a lure or some bait uh, from a spinning reel in which case it just goes goes out quickly. Oh, it takes a little skill, but not that much. And uh, I think you get better at it. Uh, you learn to lay the line down on the water a little more delicately. Since it's a heavy line, 
it's capable of making a fuss on the water. But if you lay it down comfortably, it's possible to uh, sneak up to a fish, get fairly close, put it down with your long leader, long monofilament that that uh, keeps the fish from seeing the line. And uh, I've had I've fished uh, in Montana, in Florida, Maine, uh, New England, France, a lot of places. That's a great sport. I've ne- never exhausted any interest in it, though recently at, at my age I have bad legs and bad shoulders from uh, rotator cuff problems, so I can't fish nearly as much and much less with a fly rod now. Is that any help, James? Oh, no. You've given me some, some, great, some great insight here. We've got Nick Lyons joining us today. He joins us live here on our big program here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Fire in the Straw is the latest uh, from Nick Lyons. And, Nick, you, you mentioned earlier that you are, were a, uh, a ghost writer for, uh, yeah. for several folks. How did, yeah. you get in, how did you get into this world and also explain to our audience just what the heck a ghost writer is? Yes. Well, in my case, and I think it's probably different in a lot of others, in some cases somebody will uh, write a book and it will have a lot of difficult sections where it's incomprehensible or it hasn't got a good position in the structure and somebody will rewrite it, essentially. The four or five ghost jobs that I did, uh, I knew an editor who liked to find some interesting person whom he thought had an interesting story and then ask them to if they could write it. And if they said they couldn't write it, I would. I, I, he called on me at a time, this is 30 years ago now, um, when I had two children and three children in college at once and the other one coming in the next year, and I just thought I'd go flat bankrupt. So I took anything I could find. But I... I would go in with a tape recorder. I had written a book on the Sony Corporation, which uh, I think was a pretty good business book. And I knew I knew had a nice Sony tape recorder, which they'd given me. Uh, and I would go in, and I'd start talking to them about the book, thinking about the childhood and the middle years and how they made the various decisions of their life. Uh, and if if they came to a position where they did not give me what I wanted, enough detail, I would say, well, you know, it's not good enough to say you had a hard father. I want to know what about him made him so so uh, uh, daunting in your life. I remember one case where a woman uh, had said that. I said, you know, it just it just isn't strong enough. The chapter is about him. You can't start by saying... He was a, a difficult, powerful father whom I was afraid of. I said, Give, find me an example. Can you think of anything? And she said, uh, well, he once got angry at a horse and punched it and knocked it out, knocked it cold with his fist. He had been a military man. I said, well, that's a pretty startling image. And that, that's, that's what begins the chapter, actually. Um, my father once punched a horse and knocked it cold. Uh, not a happy or a pretty one, but one in this case where it showed what it was. I think you collect up these 
details, and then if you're a decent writer, you put them into some form. You know where to begin, and already with the taping, you're beginning to think, is this the beginning? Is this a good middle chapter? Is this a good place to end? And uh, it's not the happiest work. I did these in six weeks on top of two other jobs, full-time jobs. And uh, one was a bestseller. Uh, two of them did very well. One sold to the movies, and I received about half of it. But that's essentially what you do. If you're a writer, you ghostwrite the book. If you're a heavy editor, you can start with someone else's book and rewrite it, in a sense, to be something commercial or the right or the life or, or viable in a public way. I I I wasn't altogether happy with the process, and I at the end I said I've learned what I can learn. I don't need the money anymore. I'm not going to do it, um, and I I stopped and never did it again. But it was very valuable financially. And it also taught me about putting a book together. How do you do it? How do you start from scratch and put it together? And uh, I learned as I went. And the editing that I've done has helped me. Um, it is interesting, though. There are a lot of books, a lot more than you'd think, that are ghostwritten. Uh, people who who have an interesting story but have not got the skill. And there is a skill to it. Uh, to put it together and make it work. Um, I think that uh, it's... it's. Uh, I, I, I know ever so many writers who do it somewhat or now and then, uh, particularly when they have slow moments with their own work. Uh, I was happy to do it at the time. I learned an awful lot. And uh, uh, I think they're all good books. I still looked at one of them the other day and uh, thought it was very well well done. I hadn't seen it in a long time. Um, anything else, James? I'd just love to talk. So. Well, it is it is Nick Lyons. He's with us today. Fire in the Straw is the latest from him. He has a tremendous book here. He's been our guest this week here on Build, Grown, and Joy. And um, Nick, before we let you go, my friend, how do we uh, get in touch with you on uh, social media, buy your buy your book. Any websites you want to pass along? Uh, anything, my friend. It's nice of you to ask. I'm afraid I'm a bit of an isolado, and i i don't I don't have Facebook or uh, or any of the others. I'm also a little out of the range. So Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, and uh, most bookstores, any bookstore will be able to order it. Um, because I know the wholesalers have it. But Amazon has a nice write-up on it, and you can see more about the book and see whether you you like the direction it's going. Um, so they're, they're a good place, and Barnes & Noble, I know, has it, and has it in the window in several stores uh, in my part of the world. Um, other than that, um, I don't have a, a website, but... Um, um, I think anyone who, who who writes to the publisher, I will get the um, get the publisher's name is on the book, and anyone who writes to me in care of um, uh, Arcade Publishing, uh, the letter would be forwarded to me, and I'd I'd be glad to. 
I like getting letters. <laughs> and I respond to, I respond to all of them too. Well, well, <laughs> I love Nick. The name of your program is it Build, Grow, and Build, Enjoy? Grow. Yes, B G E. That's exactly what I'm trying to write the book. What I tried to write the book about: building something, growing it, um, having it. Uh, what I did with my little business: I built it and growed it, and uh, it was extremely exciting. And yes, that's great. Well, well, Nick, I appreciate you making time for us today. I definitely want to do this again. Have yourself a wonderful week. I will talk to you soon, sir. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Nick. There he goes. Nick Lyons uh, with us today here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. And that is that. That wraps it up for this week's edition. And we will see you next time here on Build, Grow, and Enjoy. Hi, you've reached Toyota. This is Jan. Can I save on a new Toyota? Yes, with great deals through March 31st at participating dealers. I'm really into mystery podcasts lately for those long drives. Well, imagine yourself in a Camry when a celebrity sleuth solves the perfect crime. Or camping in a RAV4 when a shocking theft turns a city on its head. Or off-roading in a Tacoma when trouble follows a big city cop to the country. Spoiler alert, it was the butler. Toyota, let's go places.